Good morning, Mosaic Community Church. We welcome you uh, to the first Sunday of 2021. Happy New Year's to you. It's wonderful to be together. We made it through a crazy, tumultuous year. And hopefully that'll inspire us to know that we can make it through the rest of this storm called COVID-19. Um, God has been with us. God has blessed us tremendously. Just to be hopeful, you know, again, and to, to know love and peace and joy. And so we come together to celebrate that in the happiest of new years. So God bless you. We welcome you here to be with us. We are a beautiful mosaic of all God's people from every walk of life. We dare to believe that God will bless us in this space. Um, and we welcome you as a part of this mosaic this morning. So enjoy yourself in our service. Lift up hands that God has made holy in the worship of Him and Her. And uh, enjoy the word that comes today. May this add a blessing to your life as you consider the future and the things that God, the visions that God's giving you uh, about what's yet, what's yet to come. Be blessed, enjoy the service, enjoy worship. Welcome. Good morning, Mosaic. Some of the songs you'll hear this morning are sung by a choir, and that choir is the Oklahoma Christian University Chorale. Um, Kennedy and I were a part of this choir our senior year, and it was a real pleasure to record these songs, and now we get to share them with you. Hope you enjoy.
So today, let's welcome Joy Howard as she brings the word for us today. Many of us know Joy as a Dr. Joy Howard. She is um, currently working as a coach and uh, editor for all those who want to improve their writing and who are writing at varying levels. Um, she works with those that are seeking to publish or those who are working for higher degrees, higher ed degrees. Um, she specifically focuses on women in the BIPOC and queer communities um, wanting to increase representation in all those areas of academia so they can influence what our kids learn and mostly influence just knowing that the world is filled with all kinds of people who have all kinds of thought that benefit all of us. So we are excited. I'm excited to have Joy share with us today. Um, Joy uh, is a long-term member with her husband, Lauren. Um, and so we've seen them. They've been around. We've watched God do incredible healing in her life. And so she comes to us to share today. So let's pray for her. Our God, we ask your blessing on Joy and the thoughts and words um, she shares today from you. Thank you for using her to help us all. Direct and guide our hearing and understanding, please, so we can apply what we learn today in ways that make us and the world brighter. We remember today that light has come and darkness cannot overcome it. Use joy to spread your light and bless us that we might share that light as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Welcome, Joy. Good morning, Mosaic family. Joy Howard here. I am so glad you could join me this morning. And wow, here we are. It's 2021. And as I wrote earlier this week, I think a lot of us are painfully aware as we enter 2021 that we've got some big serious needs in our own lives and in our own communities as we end 2020. So I wanted to start out this year by reminding us all, I wanted to start out this year by reminding myself that Jesus has some big, serious, amazing things to say to us who have a lot of unmet needs. He has some amazing things to say to us who feel like 2020 was way too much and we're not even sure what to think about 2021. So let's go back to the basics. That's what helps me. Jesus tells us, just at a basic level, no matter what you need, I'm it. Are you thirsty? Yeah, I get it. He says, come to me and drink. In the book of John, we get two different stories where he actually uses this metaphor, this water and drinking metaphor. And he says this twice to two very different audiences. And my ears perk up 
whenever I hear repetition. Repetition usually means we need to pay attention. So where does that get us? If we pay attention. In the fourth chapter of John, we get this really in-depth story about Jesus meeting the Samaritan woman at the well. John tells us, Jesus, tired from a long walk, sat wearily beside the well around noontime. Soon, a woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at this time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. And she said, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But you don't have a rope or a bucket, the woman said. Where would you get this living water? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. And the woman said, give me this water and then I'll never be thirsty again. And I won't have to come here to get water. And there's more to this exchange, including Jesus revealing that he knows how much of an outsider she is, that she's not married to the man with whom she's living. And she points out to him that she is well aware that he, as a Jew, really should be steering clear of her. And instead of explaining that away, Jesus just flat out tells her that he's the Messiah that everyone has been waiting for. And when his disciples show up just about then, they're beyond shocked to find him talking to the Samaritan woman because they can see the scandal that's brewing. But she's already taken Jesus at his word and she's run off to start preaching, to start evangelizing her whole community and tell them that the Messiah has shown up at their well. And they listen to her and they all come running out. I love this story for so many reasons. One being that the character that John gives us is the exemplar of an outsider. From a character sketch perspective, it's actually a little over the top. She's a woman, she's a Samaritan, whom the Jews of the time called dogs and considered completely unclean. She's not even an insider in her own community because if she was, she would not be at the well at 12 noon, the peak of the afternoon sun. And Jesus treats her, this outsider, in every respect, like she's already his disciple, his friend, an evangelist for him, 
which she does become, but she doesn't know that at the beginning. But today I want us to look at this really simple claim that Jesus makes. A metaphor that he uses because he's at a well, but a useful one as metaphors go. He said, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. So hold on to that for a second. Jesus is saying, are you thirsty? Come here. Drink the water I give you. Jesus uses the same metaphor, but with an entirely different audience in John chapter 7. It's another really complex narrative like the Samaritan woman story where there are a lot of things going on and there are a lot of characters moving around. Jesus and his disciples are in the thick of things during a high holy festival season. Jesus is preaching and teaching at the temple and there are Jewish leaders and rabbis who are quite unhappy that he's preaching and teaching at the temple. Some people think he's the Messiah and others are a little bit unsure, but they're super interested. And there are quite a few priests who are not interested at all. And then there's other people in the crowd who want him arrested. And in response to all of this commotion and chaos, Jesus stands up in the middle of everything on the last day of the holiday and shouts, anyone who's thirsty can come to me. Anyone who believes in me can come and drink. For the scriptures declare for the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from the heart of anyone who believes in me. That's such a clear claim. Are you thirsty? Anyone who is thirsty, believe in me. Come and drink. It's as simple as that. And once you drink from my living water, Jesus says, living water will flow from you to other people. Jesus saying that he's water is a big deal. He points backwards to the sustenance God provided his people. And he points forward to the Holy Spirit that's poured in us after he goes. John actually clarifies this metaphor for us in chapter 7, just in case we misunderstand. When Jesus said living water, John writes, he was speaking of the Spirit who would not yet be given because Jesus had not yet entered into glory. Looking backwards, before Jesus, the spirit of the creator God moves over everything. And from water, she makes everything else. 
when Sarah and Abraham throw Hagar and her baby out of their lives, God, the Savior, leads her to a spring in the middle of the wilderness. So she and her baby don't die. God, the liberator, parts the waters, moves the water molecules for Moses and Aaron and Miriam as they lead their people out of slavery. And God, the sustainer, makes water come out of a rock for Moses and the children of Israel that need something to drink. God works through water in really loving ways. Water is a gift. It's a gift in this metaphor. Our westernized, colonial, capitalist, nonsense culture has created water into a commodity to be bought and sold. Our culture bottles water, it hoards water, but water wasn't supposed to be that way. Water is a gift. Water is meant to be shared. Water nourishes everything. It connects us to each other with rivers and oceans. Water cleans and it heals and it eases pain and it fills voids and it covers and it protects and it can bring flowers to the most dry places we can ever imagine. Water is sacred in every faith I have ever come across. And water is powerful and dangerous when unleashed. It can create new pathways and completely wash away old ones. Water can break down a wall in seconds. And this is what Jesus says he is. He says, I am living water. Are you thirsty? Drink. And just about now, this all starts to feel a little overwhelming because I do study literature and metaphors can sometimes run away from me. So when I start to feel like I'm losing Jesus, losing focus on Jesus in a story. I stop and I look for the oppressed because the Jesus that I know is a God who always sides with the oppressed. The Jesus that I came to follow, the Jesus that I fell in love with, comes into our lives in these really ridiculous, audacious, compassionate ways, especially when we don't possess power, especially if we don't have privilege, especially if we lack all of the things that our culture says make us important. So what does it mean for Jesus to say to a Samaritan woman that he is living water and that if she is thirsty, she can drink? He's reminding us who identify with her that we are welcome in this Jesus way of living life. There's no shame 
Jesus is not shaming anyone for being thirsty and needing a drink. The world says having needs is shameful, but the world is wrong. Part of being human is being thirsty. Part of being human is needing things. The culture that Jesus is setting forward here with this metaphor and with this story is not about shame. There's no humiliation. There's no mark of failure. The physical part of needing things is not shameful. And the emotional or mental or spiritual part of needing things is not shameful. Our American pull yourself up by your bootstraps culture says you shouldn't be thirsty, you shouldn't be needy. But this story says that our Americanism is wrong. Our culture says having to stand in line for a food box during COVID-19 is a failure. But our culture is wrong. Our hyper-masculine culture tells people who identify as men, you should be lone wolves. And it's pitiful to be thirsty and need the emotional support of others. And our culture is wrong. Our culture pits women against one another. Compare who wore the dress best, whose kids are the smartest. And if you identify as a woman, who climbed the highest in her company. And our culture is wrong. In fact, Jesus seems so nonchalant about the whole, if anyone's thirsty bit, it seemed like he, ex he just expects us all to be thirsty. He expects us to have needs. Are you thirsty? Believe in me. Come and drink. Super simple. No shame. Set the shame aside and just drink. But also by talking directly to the Samaritan woman, offering himself to, offering his way to her and his disciples, I think he's reminding us that if we identify with his disciples, he really does mean everyone. If anyone is thirsty, they can come and drink. I think he's saying, I don't just mean to include the insiders that you're comfortable with. He includes these people his disciples really did not like people considered unworthy for good Jewish men. I think Jesus is also speaking to the other Samaritans too. Because, come on, if we really think about it, I know, yeah, I'm pretty sure I know that West Philly's porch culture and the way that we watch and the way that we pay attention to our neighbors has nothing on first century people living near the village well. They were listening to what Jesus was saying to the woman. And Jesus was saying to them, yes, 
I mean this woman. I am welcoming into my kingdom someone you consider so far beneath you, someone you have mistreated so much, she is forced to fetch water from the village well in the heat of the day when it was so much more work and when no one else is around. And then Jesus announces this same thing at the temple during the holidays. And he's emphasizing again, anyone who's thirsty, you can come. He was including the good observant Jews at the festival, the rabbis. He was including the priests and their families. He was including the wealthy, but he was also including the poor who were in the crowd. He was including the elderly. He was including the sick. He was including those who were in mourning. By announcing it at the temple in the middle of such a huge crowd, I think he was also including people that his disciples really, really did not like. People his disciples probably disliked even more than they disliked the Samaritans. Because yes, we follow a God who is always on the side of the oppressed, but Jesus always seems to be giving opportunities to the oppressors to change their ways as well. And Jesus, I think, is saying to his disciples, to his followers, to everyone, I mean to include these people, you consider your enemies, the Pharisees, the Gentiles who don't have the right family backgrounds, but I also mean to include the Roman soldiers watching the crowd. I mean to include the police ready to arrest and imprison anyone they could. Jesus is including the tax collectors and the Roman politicians and their families. All of them. Jesus says, anyone who believes in me can come and drink. I think he knows that the systems of oppression hurt the oppressors too. And so the invitation to drink is for them too. But here's where I find that there's a real tricky spot for myself. This does mean that we have to admit that we're thirsty. We do have to admit that we have needs that we cannot meet on our own. And for some of us, this is a really hard step. And this is the first step. We have to admit that the way we've been going about life is not working. To come to Jesus and drink, I have to admit that working harder and harder and harder with my Midwest value system isn't working. We have to admit that trying to pull ourselves together on our own is not working. 
and it won't ever work. We have to be willing to reject one of the biggest lies there is in our culture. And the, this is the lie of self-sufficiency. And wow, that's hard. Jesus's way of life is not about self-sufficiency. It's actually the exact opposite. It's so far away from the American pull yourself up by your bootstraps. It's so far away from self-sufficiency. It's so far away from individualism. We have to admit that we cannot be our own God, that we cannot be our own savior. And, oh, that's hard. But, oh, that's beautiful. Because then we get to the really good stuff. Jesus shouted at everyone outside the temple. This is John 7 again. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from the heart of anyone who believes in me. This is one more story about the abundance and overflow in Jesus's kingdom. When we live in the presence of Jesus with the Holy Spirit. He says, if you can admit that you're thirsty, come to me, believe in me, come into relationship with me, and I will give you what you need. I will sustain you. And there will be so much that it will overflow out of you. This Jesus way of life is so outlandishly different than our culture defined by scarcity, it's almost impossible to imagine. It's so hard to imagine that Jesus says, yes, this is about eternal life. But this is also about now, here on earth. I do think that this is a promise about where we get to live after we live here on earth. But it also starts now. And there's some tension in that. There's tension in living the here and the not yet. There's tension living in this Jesus kingdom that is here, but isn't here entirely yet because there are so many in need there are so many literally thirsty and hungry right now we suffer in the here and now from other people's sins we suffer from oppressive systems we cause others to suffer because of the way we engage in oppressive systems. And in the not yet, this world we live in right now, what happens when I say to Jesus, I'm thirsty and I believe in you, so please fill me up, but I still feel dry 
and empty. And I think here the key is community. We need to understand that living in this overflow, living in the overflow of living water is about community. This is not a message that stops with us. It's morphed into that in our individualistic, me-focused, private faith culture. The front end of the verse is quoted where we get eternal life if we believe in Jesus. But the second part is about community, where the living waters that we get overflow. And living in this overflow means that we get to be part of this amazing, beautiful, weird, grace-filled ecosystem where we are sustained, but we also help sustain others. So one moment you're living in my overflow and the next moment I'm living in your overflow. But it doesn't matter who was first or who was second because all of this living glorious water is all merging together and we are just soaked to the skin. And it means that we're taking care of each other and we're feeding those who are hungry and we're giving a listening ear to the lonely and we're mourning with those who mourn. And we are asking for help when we need it because we can trust there is no shame in being thirsty. Jesus tells us that he is the source for everything. And if we drink this living water that he offers us, we then have this living water burbling out of our lives, which has the power to completely change the way our communities work and how needs are met. I want this to be how we ring in the year 2021. We remember Jesus is living water. We admit that we're thirsty and we believe. We drink of the living water of Jesus and then we share you let that living water bubble out of us and we all get to live in the overflow. No shame, no judgment, just gorgeous, gorgeous rivers of living water here, right here in Philadelphia.
We began um, our annual meeting back in um, September with a prayer, and I'd like to pray that again as a blessing over this coming year. Um, so I'd like to share it with you. Let's pray. Dear God, teach us to better see the relationship between the forest and the trees, to understand the relationships between the peoples and our cultures, to acknowledge our similarities and differences, and to embrace the relationship between your love and your mission in this world to unite us all. You are the God who opens blinded eyes. We confess we need you to open ours. You are the God who teaches us to speak life-giving words and sing new songs. We confess we need you to teach us your words and your songs. Oh God, help Mosaic to continue to walk this path where all are invited to gather around Jesus as our center in peace. We declare that this church welcomes the human family in every shade, gender, economic status, educational level. We welcome and affirm people who, with people of humble hearts who want to do life together. And so we say, whether economically secure or insecure, we join you, God, in declaring you are welcome here. Whether continuing on in an anti-racist journey or just becoming aware of the racism that is within, we join you, God, in declaring to them, you are welcome here. Whether affirming and in, uh, affirming and inclusive of all or beginning the journey of acceptance of our gay, bi, trans, non-binary siblings, we join you, God, in declaring you are welcome here. For we confess our need of you, God, and our need for one another. Help us to be your church, Jesus, and not a gathering of our own making. We desire to let go of everything that causes your people to separate and build false hierarchy of human value. We want to be like Jesus. God, some say creating a space like this is impossible, but you have always defied what we declared was possible, and you've done miracles. Please bring about the miracle of loving unity here at Mosaic Community Church. By your grace and the authority you have given us, we declare that Mosaic Community Church is a safe space for all who desire relationship with Jesus and want to walk in love and peace with humanity and all creation. In this place, all humanity is welcomed and the healthy ways we all express our love is affirmed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.